Good morning, good morning. Welcome to another show of our Voices of the Festival. I hope you're doing well uh, and you're gearing up to uh, a wonderful holidays. We have a fantastic uh, holiday evening, uh, evening at um, Helen Downing uh, home last Tuesday. It was called the Silver and Gold for some of our uh, wonderful uh, supporters and it was a fantastic event very very beautiful so we are very happy to be here in Savannah and we're going to work today with um, we're going to talk today to Jane Gilchrist and Wes Krulich and let's make sure oh, there's Chad hi Chad um, let me find um, them. I'm going to invite uh, Wes. Kill. Uh, I don't see her. Um, And see her, Jane. Are you watching? Um, uh, I see Jan. Hi, Jan. Haley. Uh, I don't see Jane. Uh, hi, Chad. Again. Um, all right, all right. Hi, uh, Jane, if you could send us a message um, and make sure that you are watching, you can send me a text message also, okay? Uh, and uh, Wes, what you had to do... Oh, Wes, it says you are unable to join. Um, do me a favor, go to the application store and make sure you have updated your application and you're on your phone and um, on Wi-Fi. So uh, that should be the reasons. Uh, okay, okay. GE, oh, that's you. GEG Burnside, that's Jane. Uh, yes, probably. Exactly. There you are. Thank you, thank you. Uh, all right. So I didn't know that was you. GEG. All right, I'm inviting you, and then you have to accept the invitation. Uh, there you are. Hey. See, that was, it wasn't too hard. No. I just didn't, I, I forgot to ask you what were your handles. I didn't know what uh, what was your your um, your name. Okay, so let, let's see if I can, we can get Wes. Uh, I'm going to invite him again, and hopefully he'll, she'll be able to join. If not, um, I'll ask Wes to send me a message when he's ready. You know, sometimes uh, when when you don't, the application is not totally updated. It, it wouldn't let you do it. Join. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why. But um, um, so sometimes uh, we had to check. So I send an invitation to him. Hopefully, he will be able to join us. I know that he. She'll be watching. Anyway, how are you doing, Jane? I'm fine. It's a lovely day in Savannah. Cold. It is. No it is. Oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to put I'm going to put the place a little lower. 
bless you. Um, so you're in Savannah? I am in Savannah, beautiful Savannah. <clears throat> and it is funny, I mean, I, I, I try to avoid the sun and I'm here, I see that I can get in the sun, but uh, uh, I just put it, um, I just put it in, uh, have a good light, but not, not the sun on my face, so that's, that's good. And um, good, I, I, I saw you on, on Tuesday in the, in the beautiful event that we had at, at Helen's. It was a so. lovely, lovely evening, a wonderful festive party, and it was wonderful to be together with the Voice Festival family again. It's, it's such a long time uh, from August, and so it's really nice when you come for a weekend or for a couple of days, it just brightens everything. So thank you for coming thank back. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm glad that that um, that you miss us in a way. <laughs> Always. I'm happy to be back. I, I think uh, we were um, we were here in um, I think it was either mid October or mid September, uh, mid October, uh, in a collaboration with the Phil, and they were doing, we were doing um, events in the, in the squares. In, it's a, a program that the uh, Savannah Philharmonic has, which is called Fill the Squares, and um, and so we did uh, we did several uh, events in in three three squares uh, with them, uh, and now we're doing this one. It was our uh, big event in the summer and the in the fall and and then we will be back in the spring oh no wes is not able to join again wes uh make sure you go to the app store and uh, update um the application and that you're on wi-fi in your phone okay anyway uh i will keep trying um so and so i understand you are rather new to savannah i am i was um, I lived in, uh, I, I'm progressively making my way down to the warm weather. I, I was born in Western Pennsylvania in the snow belt and loved the snow as a child. And then I moved to Washington, D.C., uh, where I worked for about, and I lived there for about 40 years. But after I retired, I thought, I don't really need to live here. I can live anywhere I want. So um, I had some friends here in Savannah. Uh, it's, uh, um, I like the weather. It's mild in the winter. There's no, there generally is no snow, even though I know that they have had it. So I came down for the winters, <clears throat> the first couple of years. And then I was just so enchanted with it. And I found a, a nice house and decided I'm going to move. So I've been here full time for about five years, totally about 10 years. All right. And where in Western Pennsylvania? I mean, near, like... Uh... Near Pittsburgh. All right. Right. That, yeah. That's what I was going to say. I mean, that, that is, that is pretty... Yeah, pretty much the, the 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 capital of Western it, Pennsylvania. We'll and it's lovely, but um, there um, there was a the, um, at that point there was a great mi migration of pe of young people moving out, and I moved to Washington. Washington was a really nice place to uh, to work. There were there lots there were lots of jobs. There were uh, schools if you wanted to go to school, and culturally there was a lot going on there. And I discovered over the years. More importantly, you could get on the train and go to New York if you wanted to, or Philadelphia or Baltimore, the, the whole East Coast. It was it was pretty accessible, and it had great airports, so if you really needed to fly somewhere, you could. Right. And, and, and what what uh, brought you originally to 
to uh, Washington? I mean, did you go there for college or, no, or did you go? No, I, um, we just, uh, when I got out of college, it was in the early 70s and um, Washington was, a, there were a lot of jobs there. So a lot of people um, moved to Washington to work just because there were jobs. Uh, there weren't as many jobs in uh, Western Pennsylvania. So um, not only were there, were, there in, uh, were there jobs, but there were also uh, universities. So if I wanted to do a graduate degree, I could have easily done a graduate degree. Uh, the reason I stayed was that I got this wonderful job at the Library of Congress. Ah, and that's fun. Um, I thought maybe I'd stay a year or two, but then I stayed my entire adult career was at the Library of Congress, what, which was a one. What were you doing in, 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 the, in the Congress here, in the Library of Congress? Um, uh, I worked with children's books most of my career, and the last four years I was asked to develop and open their first children's reading room. They, it technically is the library for Congress. That's, that's their main mission. But it's also known worldwide as a, a premier research facility. So children um, don't really factor into that, even though they have an enormous collection of children's books. So um, at one point, they realized, the administration realized that they had so many families coming to visit. And there, there really weren't uh, many um, visitor experiences for families and children. And a little bit of real estate in one of the buildings opened up, you know how that is. And they decided that, um, why don't we open a small demonstration library? So that's what we did. And it was enormously successful. I often think that in the, those four years, the children that came through, who were just delightful, those are, they were going to be the future legislators and educators and historians, people that, you know, we had no idea what kind of influence we were having on them at that, that one visit. It was a really re a very rewarding job, but um, it was mainly working with children's books. I worked on the National Book Festival and, and worked with children's books in that too. All right. And, um, and, the, the, the fame that the Library of Congress is supposed to have all the printed books. No. All the time. How, how does that work? Um, they, they have a lot of, um, they have a, a huge collection. In fact, and what's interesting is more than half of the collection is not in English because Congress's mandate for the, their, it's their library was to collect widely so that Congress could be informed. Uh -huh. So um, they don't collect certain things. Like every library has a collections development statement. So they, the Library of Congress also has that. So they don't have a lot of clinical medicine because in Washington, there is also the National Library of Medicine. So they would collect the clinical medicine. There's also a large agricultural library out in Beltsville, Maryland. So they do a lot of the agricultural material. Um, but, and then there's certain things like, um, well, when there used to be phone books, they, they wouldn't collect some things like that. Um, so they do limit what they 
are collecting and they don't want to duplicate some other libraries. And they, there is a great amount of cooperation with libraries nationwide and internationally. So they can't have everything. It's just impossible. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the thing, right? and, and what about, what about uh, were you aware of what is the, 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 the status of the, of the size uh, or the depth of the music library? I know a little bit about the music library. It is, uh, and it was so interesting that several mm, a month or so ago, when um, oh, who was the the um, young artist who played the glass flute, um, Lizzo, and um, she was she's a trained flautist, and so was in the library, and they have this wonderful collection of flutes that someone gave them years ago. Um, and she played this glass flute. So they have this flute collection, they have sheet music, they have recordings, they have um, a, a wonderful, uh, I think it's four Stradivarius instruments that they play uh, periodically. The uh, yard string quartet comes down and plays them. They do a concert season. So it, it's a really robust part of the library. They also, the library also has films. Um, every oh. year they, they have a film registry, so they, um, and they preserve films. Uh, there's a big map collection. So it's quite a varied place. It's not just books. And, and where? Where do they keep in that building? <laughs> there, there are four buildings on Capitol Hill. And okay. then there are these new uh, sort of high-tech uh, storage facilities out in suburban Maryland. And what um, I never, it was built right before I left or before I retired. There, they moved the sound recordings out and the films out to a facility in Culpeper, Virginia. So there's a big campus out there that is dedicated to films and sound recordings. Okay. And it, it was a decommissioned military facility. So some of it's built into a side of a hill. So it's for preservation purposes, it's really um, um, state of the art. It's really quite nice. And the, and the, the recordings and the video are, are they are right now are physical recordings, meaning are actual tapes and actual yes. CDs and art yes. CDs or what? Yes, I don't know um, uh, what they're doing with electronic things. Um, I know that, oh gosh, this must have been 10 years, at least 10 years ago, they um, the staff would um, call the internet. So if there was like for elections, they would um, archive websites for future use. Um, uh, so if there was a major event, I remember when one of the popes died, they, um, archived all the news and, um, internet, um, sites for that because this was a major historical event. Right. So they do think, like that. and they, and I, they, I think they also have the, well, gosh, I don't know what's happened now, but at one point they had, um, the archive from Twitter, but I don't know what, since it's changed hands, I don't know where that all falls. You're right. I mean, that's, a, that's a lot of, um, 
yes. information that, that may may stay there, but also may just go away. The, all the all the digital, uh, it's well, such an ephemeral. That's the that's the issue for archivists and librarians. That before we had paper, people would write a letter and it would be in a drawer or and eventually if it was somebody who was famous they might give their papers to the library of congress um bernstein leonard bernstein all of his papers are there at the, in the library of congress but if you're not writing on paper how do you preserve that so 50 years from now or that someone wants to write a biography of Jorge Parudi, where do they go? Because all this stuff is digital, right? right? Paper. <laughs> you know, and, and the website may remain, but this also as easily can be deleted or changed. Uh, and, and for example, now you mentioned news. Yeah, all the, all the news are, are there for a day and then they're gone. Right. Right. There's no... Yeah. To, to register what what happened oh, that's interesting and same thing with some of the i mean probably the videos and the pictures remains a little more but but not really i mean if 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 things are deleted they're easily deleted so and and but also on the other hand the the, the amount of digital content that is being produced these days with everyone producing them it's just impossible to to uh i mean even consider to to save everything but but even so then what what you choose that will be a, a major decision we also found that, that um and this was something small we had never thought about that reach um with kids in schools not learning cursive writing that there got to be a point there may come to a point where it almost, cursive writing almost looks like a foreign language. So all these letters, a letter from ben, written by Benjamin Franklin or George Washington, it's written in cursive writing. It's hard to read to begin with because some of the spelling is sort of hinky. But if we get to a point where kids aren't even learning, learning how to themselves do cursive writing, they may not be able to recognize it when they have to read it. So it's it, it's going to be really interesting to see down the road. Oh, that is interesting. I didn't know that they are not. I mean, I see that we don't we don't use it that often, but, right. but from there that we don't use it at all. That's um, that's interesting. But even even now, a lot of people write write in in not in cursive in in like like types. So yeah. so. That is also a different, right? Huh, interesting. Um, anyway, librarians so think about things like this. <laughs> librarians think about things like this. No, I can imagine. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. So anyway, uh, what was your first uh, experience with Savannah? What what was your your first uh, time here in Savannah? I how come? I worked with a, uh, a, uh, a woman in Washington at the library. We went to library school together and. Um, she moved back here. Her family was from here. And I, w I came to visit her. And I came in February. Um, so it was cold and it might have been snowy in Washington. But when I came to Savannah to visit her, it was, um, I woke up in the morning and I heard birds. And I realized the birds were the same birds that I would hear in April. 
So it takes them that long to fly from Savannah to, I was living in Alexandria at the, at the time. And I thought, oh, this is a really nice place. Spring comes early here. This is, this is really nice. <laughs> and it was mild. And I jokingly said, it was mild enough in February that I didn't have to wear socks. And I sort of liked that. Right. <laughs> and now I realize people don't wear socks all year round down here. <laughs> oh, really? A lot. If you look around, people, um, they pretend it doesn't get cold. Okay. <laughs> Though it does. Um, you know, we, have, we were outside at, at, at Helen's, and unfortunately, it was a little chilly that night. So it was, we were bundling, and we have heaters uh, because outside, uh -huh. uh, it was a little, yeah. a little cold. Yeah. So. But it, it, it was a... Um, it, it, it was a nice city. It, 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 it was a lot smaller than it is now. Um, it qu has grown quite a bit over the last 30 years, 30 or 40 years. Um, but it's a nice city. And, and it's, um, it is welcoming to um, visitors and people then who decide they want to live here. So there's this mix. Um, but it, it's, a, it's quite a nice city. Oh yeah, it's and you know it's, I think it's one of the most beautiful uh, cities in 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 the states. In terms of in terms of beauty, I think the the prettiest are are um, Savannah and Washington. In fact, or, or one of the prettiest in terms of the look of it. Yeah, uh, they are gorgeous and they're very different. Obviously, uh, Savannah is very much of a 18th century city, mm -hmm. while while Washington is a very grand late 19th century city. So um, in that in the scale of Paris and, uh, and late, late Paris, I would say. So um, it's, it's the both are orchards. It's interesting you should say that because the Library of Congress, many people think that the front of the main building it, uh, is very reminiscent of the Paris Opera. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Uh, which there, if you look at it, there are some similarities in the, in the, in the look. But um, it's interesting also that you should say that Savannah and, and Washington are similar. And I think one thing, and I agree with you, there, it's a low skyline. There aren't, yeah. Washington has height restrictions um, in the, for the city itself. The, the, the high rises uh, and the skyscrapers are across the river in Virginia or out in Maryland. Um, and here in Savannah, they managed to keep the skyline low. So you see the horizon, you can see the sky. It's yeah. really quite In fact, there are, there are two or three buildings that I don't love that they're here. <laughs> <laughs> don't name them, Hori. They happened in the 60s and uh, hopefully they will, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know if they will be, uh, I don't know, but hopefully <laughs> when, when some of them feels like they're condemned or, or they're, they're going down and hopefully don't, they don't go past five stories um but we'll see uh, because there, there are some old old beautiful buildings here in savannah there are 10 stories uh certainly when you know the one across the street from scad that belongs to scad and it's a very beautiful uh early 20th century high rise so then it's and that one i liked uh, <laughs> But it is, you know, and, and the, the housing in, in Washington now is getting high. There's a lot of um, housing high rise, mm -hmm. um, more than uh, West Greeley is still with us. Let's see if I can. I mean, I, I've been trying 
all the time to invite him, but um, and um, oh, I, so hi, Lisa. I see your comment. We got him. Hi, Wes. I'm here. Good morning. Hello. Hi, Wes. Good morning to you. How are you, Jane? I am fine, thank you. It's a beautiful morning out here on the creek. <laughs> it's gorgeous here. <clears throat> uh, hey, Wes, could you put the camera a little lower? There we oh. go. I can see the bow tie. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not a Jonathan Green. I didn't put the oh. Jonathan Green on. All right. All right. All right. I just put something on that looks sort of like Christmas. Excellent. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to, that you keep insisting. I, I was keeping inviting you and see when, when we will get you, but I'm glad that you're here. Um, so so I'm, going, I'm going to switch for a second to Weston since he's right here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank I'm, you very much. It was, was wonderful to see you at the, at the event at Helen's in, in our uh, silver and gold extravaganza was a wonderful wonderful event of christmas carols and and all things silver and gold we have a lot of colors about silver and gold so it was great to see you it was a wonderful party and over the top i mean one of the best we've ever had wonderful wonderful i i think actually that was my first one my first well, uh the first time I somewhere around the world that's why you hadn't been here till this year <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a um, it was the first uh, Christmas party I attended. So uh, it, I I've been to another one at Helen's when Michelle was here. So um, that is really really great. But but Wes, you are uh, you've been in Savannah for a long time. Oh yes yes. As soon as I was out of college for one year, and then I moved to Savannah. I wanted to be near the beach and. Working as a pharmacist, there wasn't many days I was on the beach. Back True. Uh, back. Where, uh, where, where are you from? Where were you born? In Scriven County, which is halfway to Augusta from here. Oh, you're a Georgian. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, all right. Yeah. The Georgian. And, and the, where did you go to college? I went to the University of Georgia, where I got my um, bachelor's, and then I got my doctorate. Is that in Augusta? Athens. Athens, Athens. Georgia. All right, great, great. And then, and then you move you to Savannah. That's great. How was, uh, how was Savannah changed in, in since you first moved to now? Well, that's been fifty-one or two years that I've been here. We've gone from Broughton Street being a desolate desert to very live, and you know we didn't have all the tourists back then. Everything. Shut Shut down, you went home. There wow. Three, four restaurants, maybe downtown, who stayed open, was open during that time. But now, oh my goodness, it's 70 or whatever we have. So it's a completely different lifestyle and different uh, view when you go downtown in Savannah when, when I moved here. I lived downtown when I moved here. I lived in Trustee's Garden. Wow. In the room for the Morris Center where we have our voices. Yeah. yeah was my bedroom in Fort Wayne. That's called Fort Wayne. And the dressing room is now my, uh, bed, was my bedroom back then. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was wow. the best deal in the world, Jorge. The what, 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 what was that building before? Well, it was called Fort Wayne, but it was all apartments. 
and there were three houses. There was a, the president of the company, the president of Savannah, uh, Savannah Gas, had a house with a pool down on the end, and then the vice president had a house on the right, and then there was another little cottage. But there were about 12 or 15 apartments in what was called Fort Wayne. The remnant of it is still there when you go behind, you know, where the center is, the Mars Center. Yeah, that was all retail stores, and the Fort Wayne was attached to that. And this, I had a one-bedroom apartment with all utilities included, air conditioning and heat. Fantastic. $125 a month. <laughs> wow. That is a different so, price. A couple of things. So, so at that time, the the of course the um, the Savannah Historical Society was already functioning, and they were barely starting uh, because this happens in the uh, in the fifties and sixties. So, how was that? Uh, so you probably saw the whole process of saving Savannah, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember when River Street was just a railroad track and a dirt road. And there was a couple of bars down there we'd haunt when we were young, uh, younger than I am now, of course, back when I just moved to Savannah. But Historic Savannah ended. They had done a lot of renovation and things to Jones Street in Gaston. It ended at Gaston Street. I lived on Jones after I was in the Fort Wayne. I moved to Jones Street, 14 West Jones. And that was pretty much the fringe of the historic district at that time. Mm. Wow, I mean, you could Jorge, this friend of mine bought a house and paid twenty-seven thousand for it back. Well, it was in the seventies, and it was on Taylor Street. It's a four-story townhouse, magnificent townhouse. Paid twenty-seven thousand for it. She just sold it for two and a half million. Can imagine. So, well, and John is one of. I mean, it's uh, you know, guys, I, I adore Savannah. I think it's. it's you know, we're talk, I always say it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world, certainly in the, in the States. But John Street, especially, John and Gaston, both of them are two of my favorite streets, uh, especially John's. It's nowadays to, to walk through John's or drive or, or ride a bike, which I like to do on John, is, is so amazing. And, and when the, the, the um, tourism started, because you will think that, the way the way the city looks like, it was always attractive to well, tourism. Savannah no, was wasn't. With the midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, yeah. started it all. Really, um, we had tourists come, but we didn't have them come in droves. Like they read the book, they saw the movie, and they all wanted to experience the ghost and the, the this and the that. And they still are coming. You know, we still see them, which yeah. is wonderful. Auto, uh, John Barrett did a great job of introducing Savannah to the world. I Certainly. told him one that, time at a party that he still had stories to tell because there's always Ardsley Park, you know, Washington Avenue, which is further out. I said, there's another whole book of stories there you need to do. <laughs> well, I don't know, really. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's uh, that is fascinating. I mean, to, to to really see the process of Savannah because Savannah now feels so elegant and so uh, so steep in history. But I, I can't imagine that it was it was not. So it seems like it was barely surviving uh, at some point. Well, it was it was just let's just say it was just there. Some of the ones who had families and had lived in town and their family homes, you know, they've stayed there through the years. It wasn't just normal. 
to be there. But then when people realized and discovered the gym that Historic Savannah was, then many, many wanted to be a part of it and, you know, started buying homes. That was a big, big thing. Because um, 27000 was not a small amount back then, but it wasn't what it is now. I mean, $2 million for a house that once sold for 27000 is a little unreal. Right. Now, there was a lot of restoration had to be done because many of the big townhomes that we see, those old townhomes were divided into apartments. Because on 14 West Jones, where I live, his, Dr. Dooley had a dentist office on the ground floor, the garden level. And then the upper floors were all into apartments. I was in the penthouse at the top. Thank goodness he had an elevator. We had an elevator. Oh, wow. And a garden. We had a, a garden in the back. We could go outside. Um, but my, the apartment I lived in is between Bull and Whitaker. Wow. That's, so just between Bull and Whitaker. And, and what is it now? Amazing house. Somebody bought it and it's a home. I mean, it turned into a home. I don't think it's apartments anymore. No. Next, attached to that building, oh, hey, you'll find this interesting, was this, a very similar building because, you know, they were attached. And the building next door to us was used by the railroad road for the railroaders to come it was like in a little small hotel for the railroad men who would come in and need to spend the night and go on furlough for two days before they went out again that's what that building was so you had a mix of all kind of people downtown um back then which you still have a mix but it's a different mix now right right huh that was a that's certainly a worker a worker town right yeah. interesting uh and uh so so sorry. And so now it has changed into this glorious, uh, yeah. elegant, uh, historic city, which I, I adore so much. And uh, so far, I, I've been coming for 10 years and I see some changes outside, but not a lot of changes. Uh, so I I see that it's, it's staying. Uh, it, it is already, when I came, it was already settled in this, in this look of, I mean, there's still construction, but it's a, it's a very settled. Mm -hmm. Well, what I've noticed, you know, with downtown, so many hotels have been built. Okay. I mean, the Kessler Collection and this one and that one. And on every square foot of empty space, almost, they're building a hotel like the new Perry, you know, the Perry Lane Hotel, which is a wonderful hotel. Yeah. But it's about, you know, we have a lot more people coming, so we had to make accommodations, and that's what's happened. Okay. Sometimes it's thrilling, and sometimes to those who live down there, it's not so thrilling because it puts them into a crowd of people in traffic and cars that they weren't used to years, some years ago. Right. You have to go with the flow, as we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, big hotels change a lot of different. I mean, I, I must admit, you, you remind me of the of the plant section that, that looks fantastic, the the downtown area with the, the, the extension, the the western extension of the river in the plant section that's uh, really a great addition to this town mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. both and both actually you're and i remember the all the construction that happened in west of martin luther king and mm -hmm. east of the east the of the um, uh, founders gardens all that area those two areas are major uh in uh, hotel in the downtown area that are very new so that's quite quite of a growth there and um so 
talking about what's what was your uh we're going to talk your your first connection with the savannah west festival uh the west tell us how did how do you connect with with the savannah west festival well i'm one of the founders right i go back before any before it was and uh, i was in new york with uh, a group and we'd gone to the richard tucker foundation gala at lincoln center Uh -huh. My wife came and she said, you know, I've just met this man that you probably should go and meet. He's extremely nice. And I said, who did you just meet? She said, his name is Cheryl Mills. I said, you just <laughs> met Cheryl Mills? She said, yes, he's right over there. Because I'm talking to somebody. So I went over and I met Cheryl. And Cheryl and I somehow got off talking. Because both of us like to talk, as you know. And anyway, he handed, I said, Cheryl, why don't you come to Savannah sometime and do a master class for my friend who's head of the voice department at Armstrong, that's George Southern. And he said, I'd be glad to come. Here's my card. Well, Cheryl gave me his business card. And he said, just have him call me. So I came home and I was telling this person and several others about it. They were very excited that I'd met him and he would be willing to come for, you know, whatever. But ATC needed a judge that year, next year, uh, competition. So they called me and they said, do you reckon he would come? And I said, I don't know, but let me call him. I do not want to give you anybody his cell number without his permission. So I called Cheryl and he was not at home. So he called me back, Wes, what's going on? So glad to hear from you. He was out giving walk uh, Theo, who was smaller at the time. They were playing ball or doing something. Anyway, I told him what the deal was, you know, that they wanted him to consider coming to be a judge for ATC. He said, sure, have him call me. So they did. So Cheryl came, and then they did a, a master class of some things up at Georgia Southern. And that's where the idea sort of formed to do the Savannah Voice Festival. So Fantastic. My, my introduction that got Cheryl into the community of music here, oddly I enough, that story that's wonderful <laughs> it was so, it was just uh unreal uh so i a year went by and i was not involved and i went i was invited to go over to asbury to a concert and it was the savannah voice festival one of the first ones it was very small very simple what they were doing and um i sat behind sam durham you know you remember mm -hmm. sam couldn't mm -hmm. see around him so i moved And when I moved, I sat by Kathy Anderson. And that's how Kathy said, you've got to come and be a part of this. You, you, you've got to do this. So Judy and I did, and that's how we got started, became a first, you know, some of the first board members and enthusiastic. And I met Chad and Jessica over the West End because by then they were uh, doing some things over there. Right. And Yeah, we had the studio there, and and um, many of the events were were at the West. In fact, you Wes, you you were the first person I met from Savannah in New York. Really? But uh, we were doing yes, we were doing the um, the opera drama at at Opera America. Yeah, yeah, yes. And, and you and uh, you and Judy were sitting there, and you we talked to you, uh, and I think it, it was about when we met uh, Tim Wright also, and, or Paolo Lapa, one of the two. Yeah. Uh, but 
but uh, certainly I remember meeting you in first in in Upper America. <laughs> you had come you had come to watch the the opera drama. Had gotten to know us then, and she said, "Why don't y'all come to New York?" Well, we had no idea what we were getting into. Well, that was all it took, and we were disciples of the Voice Festival from then on. You know, supporters and have been. We, you know, I mean, and again, what was your your first connection with with the festival? Well, when I moved down here, I had when I lived in Washington, I attended the Washington. I, I dabbled in. Um, opera when I was in college, gone to a couple operas, and but when I was in Washington, um, in, I came to know the Washington Opera and started attending there and, and would go with friends and really enjoyed it because I realized it was, um, we, we were approaching a time that uh, only opera and sacred music performed in churches was unamplified. And I liked that. I was really hearing the the artists' voices, and I'm still a real proponent of unamplified. I love Broadway, but I do love the unamplified music. So when I came to Savannah, one year, I think I saw a performance that was sort of a one-off. That was downtown. It might have been part of the music festival. I'm not quite clear on that. I, I, I keep going back and I don't have the program for it. You But, remember what kind of performance was it? Um, it was Johnny Seeky, I yeah. think. Yeah. And I think Savannah it was Voice. at the Lucas. That's, yeah, that's Savannah Voice. Okay, so. I made, uh, I made my operatic debut in that opera. Oh, really? <laughs> so I, played, I played Bozo the Dead Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure. Uh, I remember, I don't remember specifically noting the performance of the dead man, but I'm sure you were really good. Um, so when I moved down here in the summer of 2018, um, I, I think that fall, there were a couple of recitals at the Davenport house. That's right. I think one, um, I know there was a spooky one around, uh, around Halloween and there was a Christmas one Yeah. And there was one around um, Valentine's Day because all the songs were love songs. Mm -hmm. uh, and I went to those. I would just get a ticket and go. And I really did enjoy them. Um, and then the next summer is when I really fell in love with the, with the festival because I went to a couple of the events that year. And that was the year that they did The Little Prince. And I didn't... I had never seen it. The Washington Opera did it as their children's Christmas opera one year, and I didn't go. And I was sort of, I love the story. It's been a favorite of mine since I was a young woman. And uh, I, I thought, I should go see this. So I got a ticket and went, I think maybe it might have been a Sunday afternoon. And I was so impressed with the, collaboration that they had with um, the Garrison School for, um, for the Arts. I mean, that's a pre-K to eight school. And, and I was really impressed that there, that there were 
children involved with the sets. Mm -hmm. There were children who performed. They were, uh, there was a chorus. They were part of the orchestra and they were in the audience. But mm -hmm. I, I really like this. The, the other things I saw during that, that festival, of course, were top notch. And I, I really, it, 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 I thought, oh, at least, you know, I don't have to go somewhere. This, the opera's here for me. And then I, um, somehow I connected with Maria, the force that is Maria, <laughs> the tornado that is Maria. And I had lunch with her. She dragged Cheryl and she said, do you mind if Cheryl comes along? No, sure, bring Cheryl, <laughs> okay. And um, we started talking about art education and uh, what they were doing with um, the Garrison School. And before I knew it, I was uh, saying yes to being involved with a, a children's opera that Michael Ching was writing or planning to write. And it just went from there. Great. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I, we are very happy with, with both of you to be uh, with us all this time. Hey, hey Tim. Uh, we just talked to Tim Hall. Uh, he's, he's an art. And um, in question, in what, uh, um, what, for both of you, what do you like of the festival? Why do you, what do you like of it? Like, no, as a concept, but also as a specifics. Go ahead, Jane. All right, I'll go first. Well, so I started out uh, just going to the performances, which are, and and they're varied, and and so it's a variety of things. If you like, if you only like the opera, you can do a lot of opera, but uh, or if you like the um, the musical theater, you can do the musical theater. But what I have come to really like are the master classes. Uh, I guess it was three years ago, I went to a master class just, and I knew that I was just gonna sit in the back and listen and watch how singers learn to sing. And I was interested in that because years ago, I went to spring baseball spring training in Florida and the Baltimore Orioles had just hired purchased a really great pitcher. But that day in spring training, all they had him doing was running from third base to home because he didn't really run the bases. He could pitch, but he couldn't really run the bases. And so that, that sort of stuck with me where you might be really gifted, but you don't know the whole, the all, everything. And so singers go to master classes to learn how to sing or to, polish what they already know so they were really interesting so i've continued to support the the uh, concept of these master classes and then um i go to the recitals i just sort of do everything i can in those two weeks it's a wonderful opportunity oh and this year because i know ben benji and lisa are watching i had two of the artists stay with me and it was so much fun having them with me to, they're they're just starting out, and it was wonderful having them with me. Yeah, good, 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 excellent. And and Wes, what do you like of the festival? What I like about the festival is all of the above. <laughs> Mainly, it because it brought um, opera, which I loved. It mm -hmm. brought the opera world to Savannah, which I always said you know brought it to the common man like me. 
that we have the opportunity to hear these glorious voices mm. and have people like Cheryl and Maria and you, Jorge, Fabrizio Milano, etc. all the, you know, the top singers and top uh, teachers in the entire world come here in August. People just don't realize that that's what we have. Um, they they hadn't caught on, they're catching on, just like Jane said, and getting involved. But it's that, and the, to me, the most important thing is the education. Mm-hmm. Not only watching them be groomed and taught, but it teaches us, it teaches me so much. Like mm-hmm. a master class, I'm just enthralled with everyone that I've ever been to. And to watch Cheryl work with them, to watch Fabrizio work with them, uh, you work with them, whoever it is, you learn so very much, which makes you appreciate the next opera you might see, whether it's our local production of Johnny Skiki or whether it's, uh, you know, at the Met. Speaking of, Joan, do you go to the HD operas? Sometimes, I did, especially during a COVID, of course I did, but, uh, or I watched them on TV, but I do go to them here, yes. Oh, tomorrow is Rigoletto. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, Jorge, the, the main thing is, like I said, the education component, because when we worked with Garrison, seeing the students' light, eyes light up, you know, with that production, they got to be involved with every part of it. And they were thrilled to death. You know, they the opera world. I mean, they'd heard the word, but they thought it was some highbrow, haughty, toady, something that they would never be able to participate in. And yet they were there making it happen. To me, that's what it is. That is watching, it will be very happy that, that you both picked uh, the little prince, especially because that was his project. And then he, he started from the garrison and he directed, he, it was just really a great, a great project of Chad and it was extremely successful in, in every aspect, in the educational, but also in the, in the production and the performing aspect of, of the, that opera. So it was really, really fun. And I'm glad that you mem- remember it especially. As- well, you could tell the students were mesmerized. Mm-hmm. They were just enthralled to be a part of something that they would have never even dreamed of being a part of. And they mm-hmm. were thrown in the middle of it, making, creating it and making it happen. And I thought that was, one of the highlights of everything we've ever done. Well, it's also, it's imperative that, that we develop the next generation of, of opera goers. You know, they can all be 90 years old. They need to be 15 and 13 and right. 20. You know, that's right. the ones we need to get. Not going to sing, but uh, I always talk about the appreciative audience. Somebody has to be in the audience. Yes. I mean, I, su- I suppose singers sing in their kitchen to themselves but <laughs> something about performing and uh, and to have an appreciative audience that that for the media master classes i could it educated me as wes said it educated me on what the singers were trying to do and so that i could it it um deepened my appreciation of what they were doing so for the kids giving that up them that opportunity and um hopefully giving, planting that seed so that it will grow into the next generation of um, people who appreciate the arts. And if we, we want to keep them in opera, but if we can't keep them in opera, if that's not their jam, they can go to musical theater or they can go to um, something, some other ballet or whatever, but to, to groom those next, that, that next um, generation. Mm-hmm. 
And to watch him being groomed, like in the master classes you mentioned. Oh, yeah. As soon as Cheryl, he'll take a sing, and all of a sudden, there's a turnaround. I know. And, he, and you're just blown away with what the singer could do. Yeah. You know, you see yeah. all the training they've had and the talent that they ex express. Suddenly, in a master class, just gets revolved into this glorious sound and, and being. Yeah. That's exciting. Fantastic. Question. Um, what... Uh, what do you usually look forward uh, in the next festival? I mean, not, not I'm not talking about 20, uh, what's coming on 2023, but as a general, what do you expect, what are you looking forward every summer to see in the festival? Hmm, that's, that's a hard one. I just, I guess I want to be surprised. And I, and I trust you all. I, I, tr I trust your vision. And I know that you're going to bring, you're going to plan a, a program that has variety um, and uh, maybe balanced with things that maybe people have heard and maybe something new that stretched. I like to be stretched a little bit because I've heard a lot of opera. So I sort of like to be stretched a little bit, but then I also want to hear those, those favorites. One thing that you did this year that was wonderful, um, the, some of the some of the events were free, and one of them was the film um, version of Tosca that starred Cheryl, and I had never seen it, so I thought oh, I don't I don't need to go see it, but well, I did need need to go see it, and it was wonderful. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a variety of things. I just you know you come up with some great programming, and I just come. Great. And for me, hey, um, I agree with Jane completely, 100% there. But also, I look forward to what new singers come. Ah, you yes. Know, the voice is like a fingerprint. They're all similar, but they're all totally different. And so, you know, like we had Santiago Bellarini, who's a gorgeous tenor, where we thought he was gone forever because he's all over the world. But now we had Ming Hao here this time, mm -hmm. who's another glorious. Yes, tenor who's coming through, see. So it's always exciting to see the next soprano, the next tenor, the next baritone come in and what can be, what they can learn and contribute to. Well, they contribute so much too, but what they contribute and help us learn about opera and the music that they're singing. Um, uh, that's what I look forward to every year. There, there are also some really wonderful venues. Uh, it seems that every year, uh, and maybe one venue drops out and another venue is is added um the the intimate salon like uh performances in the telfair um were wonderful yeah. um, it gave me a, a it sort of transported me yeah. to another and another place they were wonderful yeah we have amazing venues this coming summer i will you'll find out but uh, it's uh, really the, the venue we have Many, many returnees, but new spaces are really special. So we're very excited with that. Good. So, um, well, uh, so thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was, it was an amazing talk. See, it's, it's over. I mean, I have so many questions that, uh, that, that we'll have to wait for the next time. But uh, we already made it an hour easily. Oh. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah. Uh, one question uh, before we finish. So, so um, how, 
what uh, what do we suggest to to the people that is watching or to your own friends? Uh, how would you uh, encourage new people to join the the family? Oh, well, I tell I I go back to my my little hobby horse about unamplified music and the beautiful voices that. Um, it's an opportunity to hear these these wonderful voices, um, some of them that are starting out and some of them have been singing for a, lo um, a long time. And it enriches our lives here in Savannah. So get in your cars and go downtown and hear these things. Get involved. Yeah. Get involved. And you get know, involved. some people hear the word opera, Jorge, and they think, oh my goodness, that's French, German, and Italian. I don't understand a word of what's saying. Right. They forget that everywhere, including Savannah, we provide we have a provision to give them super titles so they can understand what's going on. And once they get hooked, come and see and get hooked, then they are done. That's yeah. that's fabulous to watch that process. And I've seen we've seen it many times over and over and over. And the funny one is most mass big masculine men who think, Oh, opera, that's not me. And then they go and watch one and they're caught they're, they're, they're all in it's, it's, it's the drama, um, um, and, and for a certain generation we grew up on cartoons that the mm. soundtracks yeah. were many, many of the songs from opera because they were probably yeah. in the public domain at that point and they used them as the soundtracks so people know some of the music and they'll say I, I didn't know that was from there. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was funny. No, that's what that's from. Well, me, and not every... Many of us got an early classical class music appreciation through cartoons, just like you said, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. And it was a pleasure talking to you both. And uh, again, I uh, thank you so much for your ongoing support to to the festival we cannot do it without you and uh, we adore you as a, as a supporter as certainly as, as as people and friends so thank you so much for for being here today for we with us and uh for everyone that's watching thank you for joining us and i will see you next time uh, when we talk to another of the voices of the festival bye guys thank take, you take care jorge and thank you so much thank you bye bye, bye. bye Wes. bye bye james